This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everyone. This is Tracy Jones. Welcome to our podcast. Our guest today is Jeff Brown. He's an award-winning radio producer and personality. He spent 25 years in radio and the music industry, and he went boss-free in 2013, and he launched the Read to Lead podcast. You know how we feel about that. So stay tuned for listening to hear what Jeff has to say about what it took him to pay the price of leadership. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast, Leaders on Leadership, where we pull back the curtain on leadership and talk with leaders all over the world about what it took them to pay the price of leadership. And today, we are tremendously excited because our guest is Jeff Brown. And Jeff is an award-winning radio producer and personality and a formal nas formerly nationally syndicated morning show host. After over 25 years in the radio and music industries, Jeff went boss free. I love that. I, you should trademark that, Jeff. Boss free, <laughs> boss free zone in 2013. Amen, brother. And launched the Read Lead podcast, a four time best business podcast nominee. Jeff, Jeff has interviewed hundreds of industry leading authors, including Seth Godin, Simon Sinek, John Maxwell, Liz Weissman, Chris Hogan, Brian Tracy, Nancy Duarte, and Alan Alda. Jeff, we are just so excited to have you here today. Thank you. Well, I love uh, the energy. Thank you for, uh, for having me here. I'm excited to be here and humbled and honored to just uh, chat with you for the next few minutes. Thank you. Well, I, I know our listeners heard that read to lead and they know that's what tremendous leadership <laughs> is all about. And uh, so, I'm, I'm, like I said, I, I promise I'll try and keep it on the DL, but there's just no guarantees <laughs> because all these books that are part of me are welling up and I can't wait to hear your insights. Um, so, Jeff, my father uh, spoke on leadership and loved leadership, but he was very pragmatic. And he said, leadership is one of the greatest things you're ever going to do, but it's also one of the toughest things you're ever going to do. And he talked about the price that you have to really pay if you're truly going to be a leader. And there were four aspects to that. And I'd like to go through each one of them with you and talk about them. You have an extensive career in different industries, um, how you got there, what different seasons you were in, and just share with our leaders some of these truths that um, you can, you can uh, relate to them with. Okay. Okay. So the, the first price, Jeff, is loneliness. And you, we've always heard the phrase, it's lonely at the top. Uh, but my father talked about the loneliness that a leader feels and how unique that is. So can you share with our listeners, maybe um, some times in your journey, your leadership journey, where you experienced loneliness, uh, what that was like for you as a leader, and maybe some words if we have some of our listeners that are in that season of loneliness. Mm -hmm. You know, early in my career, uh, and this comes from, uh, I think, leadership models that were handed down to me, so uh, mm. it was all I had to go on. Uh, my mindset, as it, as it had to do with leadership, was leadership was all in a title. Um, I hadn't uh, realized that leadership was earned, uh, that, that I thought of it as just this title, this, this, this you know, uh, power you wielded over other people. They did what you told them to do. And uh, you were the leader, so you were the expert on everything there was to be done, and, and everybody else's job was just to do what you've told them to do. 
Um, and I was young and dumb. Again, didn't know any better. That's what I had modeled for me. So that's how I led early on. And quite frankly, uh, that didn't turn out so well. Mm. Um, I um, lost some some friendships uh, through that. Um, I um, struggled uh, early in my leadership career, uh, losing good people uh, because it was sort of a my way or the highway type of, of mentality. So, you know, it took, uh, you know, a mentor coming along beside me eventually and sort of shaking <laughs> me by the shoulders and saying, this is, I know this is what you think leadership mm. is, but, but there's a better way. I love that. And I love that you were so transparent about that because I think um, I look back and I can remember even in my early career as an officer, well, you're supposed to act like an officer and you're supposed to, what is, <laughs> what was the book? Lead, lead, follow, or get the hell out of the way. And it's like, well, that's not, not everybody, we're not going to war right now. So, um, but I can right. remember a couple of people came alongside me and said, I know you think this is what a leader is supposed to do, but this is not it. So I'm thankful. I'm most thankful, Jeff, though, that you were open to receive that, you know? Yeah, and it, it took uh, some of those friendships I, I mentioned that, that I lost, uh, some of them I was able to um, you know, salvage after some time because those, they were friends who came back and said, look, this is why I left. It's because of your leadership style. It's because of how you carried yourself. It's because of how you treated me. And I thankfully was in a place where I could receive that yes. and learn from that and grow from that. Right. Well, you also got to give you grace, yourself grace too, because I remember, oh my gosh, I, I don't want to go back to some of the things I did as a young leader. Um, <laughs> but that's wonderful that people came back and gave you grace. We have to give ourselves grace. Leadership is a journey. And mm -hmm. all you know is all you know at that time. But right. that's why we read, right? So we can become yeah. more schooled <laughs> in, in the lead, how leadership is supposed to be. I love yeah. it. Um, and Jeff, next, my father talked about weariness. And, um, you know, it's tough. Uh, there's um, a lot of responsibility when you're in the leadership role that when you're not in the leadership role, you may or not may not be aware of. How do you as a leader, how do you stay refreshed and ready uh, for the next challenge that comes your way? Um, well, I think for me, it comes down to having made uh, reading, going back to that, uh, mm -hmm. a consistent an intentional habit. I feel like there are a few challenges I'm not ready for or can at least be quickly made ready for uh, in the books that I read and the books that I enjoy. The more I learn from reading, the more I want to go out and try new things. Um, uh, it keeps things exciting and, and new uh, in a way. And so, so I read a book a week, mm -hmm. um, mainly for my podcast. I, I don't read fiction. I'm always reading uh, leadership, personal growth, right. um, uh, those types of books. Um, and uh, if there's something I want to learn about, that's what I go to first. That's my default. And I find that when I make that my focus of my reading, reading never gets boring. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm always, again, trying to, to uh, keep things exciting and, and new in a way when I, when I approach it that way. Mm -hmm. So books. And I love that you talked about because there's a lot of um, uh, research into um, true learning happens when a behavior is modified. And you said mm -hmm. the A word, the application word. And yes. I love that. And I, I was talking to a friend about, you know, what we read. And I'm like, you know what, I haven't touched fiction in forever. And it's not, I'm not anti-fiction. It's just that if I read, um, I immediately have to go out and, and implement it or tell somebody about it or blog about it. Mm -hmm. um, it's ridiculous in church because I'll write 15 different pages of notes <laughs> because then I'm like, okay, because that's how I learn it. And that's how it becomes embedded in me. So I love that. Um, if you're in a rut, my dad would always say that. And as a publisher, I get a lot of, what if I'm in a rut or writer's block? Mm -hmm. Open a book, just pick a book and start reading. 
And that really was the impetus for me starting the Read to Lead podcast. I didn't have at the time enough people around me to talk about the books I was reading and, and, and to share with. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to start a podcast where I can just share it with the world, what I'm learning and what I'm reading. So, so there you go. And talk with other bibliophiles about that. Did you know that there is a school of, um, of psychiatry called bibliotherapy? which is, and I tell people, uh, take two books and call me next week kind of thing, where, <laughs> where the person actually is told to go read books because within the books, you will find the answer you're looking Bibliotherapy. And wow, I, I, I think my dad was that, you know? Mm -hmm. I and love that. Go, I had not heard of that. Yeah. And, and I was researching that. And, and he would say, if somebody came to him and needed input, he's like, go into my library, pick a book off the shelf, any book, read it for 15 minutes. And every time they'd look at him and come back and go, how did you know that's just what I needed? And <laughs> to your point, only you know the answer you're looking for. And so mm. you have to have the impetus, the, the action to just go ahead and, and mine for it. Yeah. And, and you're right. You're totally right about the application part of the process. Uh, I've heard that you know, knowledge is power. Uh, to me, that's only part of it. Um, I think unless you're ready to put that knowledge into action, you've only taken right. one of two necessary steps. I love it. Absolutely true. Okay. So loneliness, weariness. Um, now, my dad also talked about abandonment. And abandonment mm. kind of is one of those words that kind of has, you know, a good side and a bad side. Um, mm. But he always said that we need to abandon what we want and like to think about in favor of, of what we need and ought to think about. Um, so I kind of mm. look at that as, as mission focus, because a lot of things are competing for space in our heads. So can you mm. tell me how you stay on point with your mission and how you um, abandon the things you need to abandon in favor of what you want to focus on? Yes, I love this topic. And I've made uh, some considerable changes in my life in this okay. area in particular in the last probably three years or so. And it, and it all starts for me with, with goal setting. I'm about to do a quarterly review, which is going to include you know, determining uh, no more than three big goals for, for next quarter. Okay. Uh, and as I sit down to plan a given week, I'll identify, you know, a next step for each uh, one of those goals. And those will become my big three for the week. And then mm -hmm. each day I'll begin by identifying my big three for, uh, for that day. Um, and, and then these will be informed more often than not by my big three for the week. And so uh, further, when I look at a given day, it's often divided into, into blocks and into, into time blocks. There are meetings and, and interviews like this one, of course. But as I look at my big three for the day, I make sure to set aside blocks of time I intend to work on one or more of those items. And I go mm -hmm. so far as to schedule those blocks on my calendar so that that time is protected. If I need to, mm -hmm. uh, when the time comes, I put on a pair of uh, noise-canceling headphones. I open up an app like Adagio, which uh, features classical music or focus at will on my phone, something without lyrics, in other words, while I work. Um, and, and I'm not certain any of us are ever 100% successful on this, but, but for, again, for, for me, it's, it's really about scheduling. I schedule almost everything. If you were to look at my calendar between meetings and the time blocks for, for, for focus that I talked about, there isn't much room for anything else. Now, now keep in mind, those time blocks include times uh, for meals with my wife and free time and time for reading and time mm -hmm. to relax and time to, to reflect. Uh, but I'm almost 100% intentional with how I spend my time. And that ten intentionality leaves little room for, for wasted thinking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so you're, you know, Ben Franklin did that too. I don't know if you've ever read any of his mm -hmm. stuff. He'd even schedule yeah. naps. And I'm like, yeah. 
Okay, well, if it worked for him, it's so important. Now, can I ask you something? So a lot of the, the research literature, and, and I talked to a lot of people, you know, the word singularity or priority, we should focus on that one big thing, one thing in a day. And for those of us that tend to take on too many things, we're always told, um, pare it down to the one, the one big thing on that day. But can you explain how three works for you? Do you rack and stack them? Are you working them at the same time? Or do you do, is, are you linear, one, two, three? Or, or explain, explain the three. Yeah, it's, it's linear, linear for me okay, uh, by and good. large. And so, uh, you know, I may have any number of tasks that I need to accomplish in a given day, but right. I look at what I want to accomplish and I, and I decide if I only accomplished three things of, of this list, and still feel like I had a successful, uh, productive day, what would those three things be? And I limit myself to those three things. Now, once those three things are, are complete, if there are other things on that list I still want to tackle, then I give myself permission to do that. Mm -hmm. But I limit myself to those three things. Those might be relatively, my, I call them my big three, but, and that's borrowed from, from Michael Hyatt's uh, 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 free to focus uh, mentality. Uh, uh, but they could be relatively minor things. Each of them, though, is something that's moving me forward on one of my major goals okay. uh, for that week or for that for that quarter. Does that, okay. does that help? It does. So you have your three things that are more not tactical because they're still. So where do you pick? But you said the bigger goals. Where do where do they land? And do you pick one of them at a time, or are you also do you kind of have several of those at any one given time? Yeah, I usually don't allow myself. I kind of think in quarters. And I treat a quarter like a year because I think you know setting annual goals. It's just the 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 time frame. It's just too far out, right. and we end up okay. you know taking ten months before we start getting serious about that goal over <laughs> there because we've given ourselves twelve months to do it in. That's a great and point. So, and so, like Brian, I think it's Brian Moran who wrote a book called The Twelve Week Year. Um, uh, you know, I think of my year in, in sort of three-month time blocks, and I allow myself to set usually no more than uh, often two, sometimes three goals that I want to accomplish in that time. Now, when I say that, I, that could include, like, for example, I'm working on a book, and I started writing that book in May. Now, in May and June, I had a goal I wanted to reach by the end of June related to writing that book. It wasn't finishing the book. It was, I want to write X number of words by the end of June. July, August, September, I had another writing goal. The manuscripts uh, due November the 1st. But, you know, I'm, I'm breaking it down into these quarterly chunks and deciding mm -hmm. what's my goal for these three months related to that goal that may not be fully due uh, for completion during this quarter, but what part of it is. And, and I break that down and, and go from there. Okay. I love that. You're right. A year. I love how you said I had to laugh 10 months to get serious. It's like, yeah. And I ask people that I'm like, if you're a year from now in the same position, what are you going to, what are you going to do? Well, there's no way I'd do that. Well, yeah. If you don't set something, I love the quarterly and um, I love the chunking. That is, it's how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? <laughs> right, you know? right. I'm a project manager at heart. Uh, any problem can be resolved if you just escalate early enough and put the right resources on it. You just have to right. deconstruct it down. So, uh, but I, I really like that. So yeah, that does really explain it to me. And thank you. Cause mm -hmm. a lot of times when people say one thing, I'm like one thing, but you know, there's a lot of other things in any given day <laughs> that I need to do, but I love the prioritization mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. otherwise we tend to pick up the stuff that's not as uh, what we need to focus on. And once right. you knock the big ones out of the way, boom, you can knock out 20 of the smaller things because Absolutely. you're just 
you got that momentum going. Okay. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks so much. Chef. Okay. So the last one he talked about was vision. And um, you talk with a lot of really visionary leaders and mm -hmm. to mere mortal leaders, they look at this and say, well, they got the, the extra dumping on the head from God about, you know, <laughs> seeing things that we don't see. But my dad would always say, hey, vision is really nothing more than um, seeing what's really out there and then doing what needs to be done. Again, the application and the action. So can you tell me what vision means for you and you're quarterly crunching through honing your vision. I can tell that from what you say, but what would you encourage for our leaders um, to really get clear on vision? Cause that's the biggest thing everybody really, really wants. Yeah. And, and this is something I struggle with. And for that reason, um, I've, uh, gotten to a place where I am not afraid to ask others for uh, advice. And that yes. includes asking others, what do you see as my strengths? Um, tell me, you know, I, I have this ver vision or version of myself in my head, but how am I coming off? Well, how do, how do you see my strengths, et cetera? Uh, and others who have, who, who have been where I'm trying to, to go, it, you know, just getting a, a fresh pair of eyes on your situation sometimes can make a world of difference in your uh, level of clarity. And I find that uh, others to be, um, and I used to struggle with this, more than willing to, to lend an ear and share what they know. The problem is we're often too, too afraid to ask. Right. People want to be asked. Most mm -hmm. people enjoy helping others. We just have to learn to get over our own hangups with the, with the asking part, mm -hmm. I guess. I love that. And I love that you talked about you had this version of yourself, but how do you see me? And I think mm -hmm. um, as you become, a, as you, every little thing that you get closer to your true vision or your singularity, um, mm -hmm. you're more comfortable asking. And it is remarkable. People can look at us and go, well, Tracy, but this is where I really see the passion come out in you. And you're like, what? I, I didn't even, we don't see it. We can't, we can't truly ever see ourselves the way other people do. So I love that you brought that up. And I love that you admitted that you struggle with it because this is the one thing that I and everybody else I work with on our webinars and stuff like that is just, it's exhausting, it's frustrating, but it's, it's part of the journey and it's a process. Your vision is constantly working its way out. Yeah, it really comes down to the two things that your, your father uh, talked about. And I kind of had a, an epiphany this morning preparing for this interview that my podcast has helped me to live out those two things that he talked about. It's the books you read and the people you meet. And through my podcast, uh, I, I've been reading a book a week and meeting some pretty amazing people uh, doing it. Um, and, and they are continually stretching me, the books and the people, and helping me uh, you know, sometimes make some, some critical uh, decisions. I depend on those people and those books uh, for their expertise and experience. Uh, the, the wisdom is, is invaluable to me. And that's so great for our listeners out there because you think you'll be a true leader or a success when you know it all. And just like you heard <laughs> Jeff and me, I mean, when I went back to school to study leadership is when I really started understanding. <laughs> and, and it's not like, oh my gosh, so much more to learn. But like you said, it's a, it's a healthy growth. And um, we're always learning. And 10 years from now, we'll look back at our podcast from 10 years ago and go, yeah, I was pretty old school then. Now I'm this kind of thing. So I love, I love your attitude about that growth. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, Jeff, we've covered the four different prices of leadership, and I thank you for your input on all of them. Is there anything else you would like to talk with our Leaders on Leadership uh, podcast, maybe talk about, you know, give the old pitch for knowledge and grow in the old cognitive efficacy kind of thing? Well, I hit on this, uh, hinted at it a little bit earlier, uh, but oftentimes I'll have people ask me, Jeff, how is it you read as much as you do? I think it would just get so boring after a while, and, and I hit on this aspect of it, and that is to decide what it is or choose something, um, whatever that might be, that you want to learn more about and choose books 
that are going to help you understand that thing better or teach you about the thing. It may be something work-related, it may be something you know, around your home, maybe something relationship-related, mm -hmm. but find books that are going to teach you about that thing you want to learn more about. And learning and growth, and leadership's all a part of that too, is, is just going to become something that you'll find is actually fun mm -hmm. to work on. It doesn't have to be drudgery. It doesn't have to be boring like I think a lot of people believe it to be. Mm -hmm. And did you always like reading when you were younger? No, yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. So talk to me about, because I, I think a lot of people think <laughs> if, if you're not five and, and going into rooms and reading versus playing kickball, <laughs> you're, not, you're not born a leader. So tell me how you evolved as a leader. Yeah, great question. When I I'm was sorry, as five, a reader, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when I was five, that, that was kind of me. I was very much into books and my mom uh, instilled that into us primarily and was reading a lot. Um, and then there was something about school, uh, to be completely honest, that I would say, and, and this is not a knock on uh, teachers, certainly my sister is a teacher and an excellent one at that, had some great teachers. I think it was really just the institution mm -hmm. educated the desire to read out of me, unfortunately, <laughs> um, as, as odd as that may sound on the surface. Nope. Um, and, and so much of that is about at least if, from, from my age and maturity level at the time, you know, being forced, for lack of a better word, to read things that I just was not interested in mm -hmm. reading. And so I went through much of middle school and high school then not reading much at all. Um, and then graduated college with the mindset of, well, thank goodness all the learning's over. <laughs> thank good that season of life is I don't have to do that anymore. And then about you know, 10 years later, my, in my early 30s now, and I've got a mentor around me who um, uh, reads himself. He uh, models that. He offers to uh, bring uh, books into the workplace and suggest we read them as a team. Mm. And we form a book club. And, and at first, I'm kind of skeptical. Uh, but I did have this desire, as I mentioned earlier, to, you know, I had things that, that I that I was being asked to do in my position that were new to me, things that I'd never been asked to do before. I was being stretched mm -hmm. for one of the first times. And so I began in this book club reading a book called uh, Purple Cow by Seth Godin. That was my yep. introduction to the book club. And uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins was another first. Um, Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Pat oh. Lincioni. And I just, I'm like, there's books like this out there? <laughs> I just devoured them. And that was like 2003-ish, something like that. And I've been an avid reader ever since. And mm -hmm. so I credit that mentor and also uh, primarily Seth Godin um, for sort of rekindling that fire that was in me as a five, six, seven-year-old, but that it had been blown out and then you know, didn't come out again until you know, I'm in my early 30s, you know, 25 years later. I love that. And I love that, that even though you were in a specific uh, niche industry, you still were reading um, personal development and leadership books. You know oh, what I'm yeah. saying? Because I think I was always in technical fields and it's like, oh, I have to read regulations and cost analysis and, and government <laughs> contracts. That's the technical stuff. But, and, and people are like, well, I don't have to read that other stuff. I'm not in charge of everybody. And I'm like, you're around people. And these books are about how you become a better person so you can interact with other people because that's the tough stuff about showing up for work. The job is fun, you know, mm. but it's always all the other, all the other lovely people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, John Maxwell, who says, I mean, we all have some level of influence, right? Yeah, uh, regardless of yeah. who we are, we've, we've, we've got influence and our job is to, to, to wield that influence wisely. Right. 
And even just showing up as a per person, just the atmosphere you bring into the room can, mm -hmm. can uh, really robust the team or start, start to drain it kind of thing. So totally, totally. I love that, that he picked that stuff and that's the kind of stuff you, was it a voluntary book club or did it, was, was it encouraged? It was, or? yeah, it was, it was not one of those strongly encouraged type things. I think your people have to want to right. change, right? right. And, and because he was my, my, my mentor, my supervisor, my boss at the time, he had modeled it first before even making the suggestion. Okay. And he said, and he said, Hey, I would be willing to buy these books if you guys would want to read them together oh. as a team. You know, if you want to do that, that'd be cool. No, you know, no pressure up right. to you. And so he just made it easy to say yes. And again, had modeled that previously. And he was someone I very much looked up to. And I thought, well, I, I want to be like him. And so if mm -hmm. this is a part of the process to getting there, then I'm all it. in. So. It is part of the problem. Yeah. Are you still in touch with him today? Do you know where he is? Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, uh, we Does just he know texted, where you are? Uh, I'm sure he's got to yes, be like yeah. so happy. Yeah. We texted a few, uh, a few weeks ago. In fact, um, he's in Dallas, Texas. Now he's not in Nashville anymore where I reside and where I first uh, came in contact with him. Uh, he knows I'm writing a book. Uh, and I've also already let the cat out of the bag that he's in the book, uh, rightfully so. I love it. I love it. So <laughs> you named a couple of your other books. Is there any other book that you would really recommend that you've read recently? Because you read a book a week. What's something that you would uh, you would love to share with uh, our listeners? Yeah, if you haven't read a book by Liz Weissman called Multipliers, I would highly recommend that. The okay. subtitle is How the Best Leaders Make Everyone Smarter. And one of the reasons I love this book is because this uh, leader I just talked about, his name is Matt, um, he exemplified what a multiplier type leader is, and that's someone who isn't afraid and understands the value and how to leverage the collective brain power mm. in the room. I was in my early days, as I uh, referenced, the type of leader who was uh, uh, put off or intimidated by those young whippersnappers around me who knew more about something than I did, you know? And uh, he wasn't that type of leader. He wanted smarter people than him in certain areas around him. And I, and I, and I realized the value in that. And Liz talks about that, that difference between being a multiplier type leader and leveraging that collective brain power for everybody's benefit and giving credit uh, to the folks that, that, that help make that a reality and diminisher type leaders, the type of leader I used to be. I love it. Well, Jeff, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, the best way, uh, you can uh, always uh, write me directly, Jeff, at readtoleadpodcast.com. I'm uh, on most uh, social media platforms as uh, the Jeff Brown because Jeff Brown was taken long before <laughs> I attempted to grab my name because it's such a common name. Uh, so, yeah, the Jeff Brown on most social platforms or Jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. I love it. And where is your podcast carried? Is it across all the ones for our listeners out there? Yeah, all the major platforms, the website, readtoleadpodcast.com, but you'll find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, just about everywhere you listen to podcasts. Yeah, okay. just search Read to Lead and you'll find it. I love it. Well, thank you again, Jeff, for being our guest today and just uh, sharing your journey about what books have made to you and how you have evolved as a leader. Just great insights. And I know our listeners are going to be um, really robusted and helped because of this. Well, thank you, Dr. Jones. I appreciate very much being invited on, and it's just a thrill and an honor for me to be here. So thanks. You're welcome, Jeff. And for our listeners out there, you heard Jeff's podcast, you heard mine, please hit the subscribe button, do us the honor of a rating, and leave us a message and share us with somebody else, that another leader that might realize that books can make them a more tremendous leader. Thank you all so much for listening and for paying the price of leadership. Have a tremendous rest of the day.
Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.